This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I mean, stop singer. Toss on off the first in time to get seven. Three run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king when the Mariners needed him the most. Two hits over seven. Scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right. Welcome back. Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Great to have you here. Hopefully you had a good weekend. It was a weird weekend for the Mariners in Minnesota. Four days to play two games. No game on Friday with an off day after losing on Thursday. And then bouncing back for a, a nice win on Saturday over the Twins. 11-4 to was the final as... The Mariners really broke out the sticks in that ball game. Big game for Kyle Seager, including a little history along the way. And the 0-1 to Seager. Swing and a line drive into right field. There it is. Base hit number 1,000 for Kyle Seager. Over to third goes Cano, and the Mariners have the bases loaded. Number 1,000 for Kyle Seager. Take that ball, get it out of the ball game. A souvenir for Seager. A line drive base hit. Into right center field here at Target Field on this Saturday afternoon, a chilly day in Minneapolis on April the 4th of 2018. Congratulations, Kyle Seeger. Your 1,000th career base hit against the Minnesota Twins. Way to go, Kyle. Yeah, he also went deep in the game. Here's the pitch to Seeger. Swing and a well hit ball down the right field line. This one is a fair ball, and it is gone. Goodbye, baseball. Off the screen. That juts into fair territory from the right field foul pole. Kyle Seeger with his first home run of the season. It comes with Robbie Cano aboard. And it's now the Mariners three. And the Twins nothing here in the top of the fourth inning. Number one for Kyle Seeger. Now one hit away from 1,000 in his major league career. A big home run here in the fourth for Kyle. And he wasn't alone. Here's the pitch. Swung on. Well hit ball. Deep down the left field line. Going and going. Fair ball. Goodbye baseball. Off the foul pole. Guillermo Heredia with a two-run home run. His first home run of the season. Just fair. Down the left field line. It hit that screen off the foul pole. Holy smokes. Five runs are in here in the top of the eighth inning. And the Mariners now lead the Twins by a score of 10-3. to How about that? Yeah, really good stuff. <laughs> Just a weird weekend. It was freezing in Minnesota. Game canceled yesterday because of the cold, and then a snowstorm hit. Now taking on the Kansas City Royals tonight. Weather should be okay, although it was snowing in Kansas City when we landed earlier yesterday. But Marco Gonzalez will get the ball for the Mariners as the M's will take on the Royals in game one. First pitch 
5.15 tonight from Kansas City. And for the Royals, Jacob Junis will get the call. First of a three-game series as the road trip comes to an end. Then Oakland and Houston at home. So a seven-game homestand after these final three games on the road after yesterday canceled. Mariners so far on the trip, 2-2 two and two on the trip, trying to go above 500 against a Royals team that's really struggling offensively. I mean, you look at their lineup. Lucas Duda has two home runs on the season. The rest of the Royals have zero combined. Of course, missing their catcher, Sal Perez, Eric Hosmer leaving in free agency, Lorenzo Cain leaving in free agency. So lineup just not the same potent lineup that it's been the past few years. Again, we'll talk more about Kansas City as we move through the week. But a few things I want to get to in this one. Of course, Thursday, James Paxton, uh, an eagle landing on Paxton. We'll hear firsthand what that was like. Also, a little more about Paxton and pitching as Rick Riz will sit down with the Mariners pitcher. Also, speaking of the cold, and it was freezing in Minnesota, Mike Flowers has a very funny story about (laughs) – we talk about – one of the coldest games in Mariners history that he played in that you'll enjoy. Also, the week that was as well. So, good start to the week, I think, for the podcast, including a good Blower story. But first, let's get to James Paxson, Rick Riz, with the Mariners lefty. Let's go back to the game on Thursday afternoon. Pre-game ceremonies, Bald Eagle comes flying into the ballpark. He thinks you're the handler, and he, he perches on your right shoulder. How in the world? Were you able to stay so calm? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. You know, um, when it first came down, it kind of swooped uh, near me, and then I kind of dodged it, and it went onto the ground. And uh, then it started looking at me, and I was like, all right, what are you going to do next? And uh, it flew right at me. So, you know, the feathers were kind of like in my face, so I kind of had to dodge it. And uh, then I could feel it kind of resting on my back shoulder, and I was like, oh, okay, it's just trying to perch on me. So then I thought if I slowly stood up that it would kind of like work its way up my shoulder and just stand Uh on my shoulder. I was like, that would be pretty cool. And uh, (laughs) so I tried to stand up slow and uh, when I stood up it started falling off my back and I could feel it kind of trying to find its grip. But then it it just fell off my back and went onto the ground and then the guy came pretty quickly after that. Um, But yeah, it was was pretty wild. But I, I could tell um, that it wasn't trying to like hurt me in any way. It was ju- it just got confused and it was just trying to land on me. Um, so I wasn't really worried about it um, hurting me, and it wasn't gripping me so hard with its talons that it was piercing my skin. That's what I was worried about. Yeah, it, it, they were sharp. I could tell they were sharp, obviously, but uh, they weren't uh, they weren't piercing my skin, so that wasn't really an issue. So the best tip is to stay calm. What you did. All right, let's talk about pitching. Uh, you had an outstanding year last year if you're you're talking to a group of of kids about pitching as far as abc what are some of the things you'd bring up about uh you know pitching to be successful at any level what do you have to do as a pitcher well i think the biggest thing is uh finding a a delivery that you can repeat you know and a powerful delivery that you can repeat getting in the right position and then uh doing it over and over and over and then with that comes location and confidence and uh, then it just takes off from there. How do you find that release point with different pitches to be at the same release point? Yeah, it takes time. Um, 
you know, it's a, it's a search when you're young to find that, uh, find that delivery that's your delivery. And you just work to find it. You just keep on searching and you find something that's comfortable and that works for you, you really like, and then you find a way to repeat it. How were you able to find it a few years ago? Because your, your velocity really spiked when you found that right release point a few years ago. Well, when I went down to AAA, uh, when I was struggling, Lance Painter had me, uh, like, field some balls backhanded and then, you know, get rid of the ball as, soon, as quick as I could um, and throw it to him. And the way that I threw was, like, the, the three-quarter that I'm throwing at now. And he was like, that's your arm slot. That's how you find your arm slot is you feel the, you feel the ground ball and then you get rid of it as, as quickly as you can. And, and that's your natural arm slot. So... Then we went to work on that and uh, started doing it in long toss, and the ball was just jumping out of my hand in long toss, and I was like, oh, man, this feels amazing. And then I took it to the mound, and then it was all about, you know, repeating it and finding a good way to repeat and just practice. The age-old question visited with James Paxton here on Rick's Tips is, when should somebody start throwing a curveball or sliders or things like that? Uh, and when did it happen for you? I started throwing curveballs when I was probably... 14, you know, 13, 14 years old. Um, you know, my the best piece of advice that I, something I wish I would have done when I was younger was learn to throw a changeup. If you can learn to throw a changeup when you're really young, it's going to benefit you more than you even know uh, when you get to the higher levels. I wish that I had started throwing a changeup when I was like nine years old because the changeup is such a good pitch, and if you can master it at a young age and just be comfortable with it in your later in your career it's going to benefit you the, the breaking balls and stuff will come you know if you can start throwing those when you're when you're in high school you know when you're when you start playing uh you know when you're a freshman sophomore whatever senior in, in high school and you're what is that like 14 15 16 years old that's when you can start playing with the breaking balls um but at a young age i would recommend fastball change up and a two seam and just really learn how to master those pitches and then and then move on to the breaking stuff that's how you mess up a, a hitter's timing. James, uh, tell us a little bit about your routine between starts. I uh, just saw you throw a bullpen. What are you trying to accomplish in the bullpen? And what do you do day one, two, three, and four as you get ready for game five to, or day five to pitch again? Yeah, uh, it's there's workouts, you know, and then there's throwing. And uh, so the day after I pitch is my leg workout day, and I do a longer uh, cardio session. And then I'll throw, you know, that day. The day after I pitch, it's usually just it's just fastballs, you know, maybe some change-ups, two-seam, uh, nothing spinning. And I'll go out to about 120 feet, just kind of loosen my arm up, try to get some extension, see how I'm feeling. Uh, and then I do some, some scapular uh, stuff, some workouts for my scapular area. And then the next day is my bullpen day, like today. Uh, that's when I do my long toss, and then I get in the bullpen, and I throw about 30, 35 pitches, spin some, spin some breaking balls, get a feel for the slope of the mound, and uh, then I'll do an upper body workout and uh, get another day of cardio in. That's about uh, 20 minutes of interval training. And then the next day is uh, my core workout day, and I'll throw again at about you know, 100, 120 feet, just kind of loosen it up again, feel how, feel how I... Uh, responded from the from the bullpen and uh and then i'll do my sprints that day just like 10 sprints and then the day after that is mobility 10 minutes on the bike light throwing and uh, then i'm ready to pitch as long as you're not attacked by a bald eagle you're fine everything goes all right exactly i think that's probably a once in a lifetime thing
<laughs> I was amazed at your calm and, and your poise out there. James, as always, thanks a lot for the visit. Great tips for the kids. And I guess the best tip, go out there and just have fun. Absolutely. Go out there and have fun. Thanks for having me. Uh, Mike, oh, Gary and I are pretty excited to talk to you about something here. And uh, you have no idea what's coming, which is how we like it in particular. Uh, Not sure that I do, but go ahead. We, I, and I feel like, Gary, we should preface this. <laughs> uh, Mike, I've, uh, people know this, but just to reiterate, you are – you were part of one of the most iconic teams in Mariners franchise history. You have played with basically the most influential players in Mariners history, yep. and you had a fantastic big league career. Very fortunate. All that being said, Mike, Gary and I are pretty confident <laughs> that you played in the single worst game in Mariners franchise history. Okay. Gary, do you want to tell them how we found out about this? Well, extensive research is how we found out about this. No, we <laughs> we went to Baseball Reference and sorted by game time temperature. Yes. We found not only one of the lowest game time temperatures in Detroit, but also just Tigers 20-3 to was the final score. 20 runs, 20 hits for the Tigers in mid-30 degree weather. It was 36 degrees, Mike, and you were in the starting lineup for Lou. By the way, this was the 10th game that Lou Pinella ever managed in his career. Is that right? 1993, April the 17th and in, I, in Detroit. I, uh -huh. It was a three-hour and 27-minute ball <laughs> game, Mike. 36 degrees. There have been four games colder in franchise history. And uh, you know what, Mike? I got to say, uh, you went the whole way. There was no... And in fact, uh, Lou... Didn't take anybody out of this game hardly. It was everybody was going the distance when the even after the Tigers scored seven runs in the sixth inning on their way to a twenty to three win. Do you have memories? Punished, punished us uh, at Tiger Stadium on April seventeenth of nineteen ninety three when it was thirty six degrees. And I believe Gary wasn't there a wind. There was, uh, there was some wind. Yeah. oh fifth, there, significant. There wind. was a fifteen mile an hour wind left to right, and it was overcast for whatever that's worth. I, I would say that it was chilly that day, Aaron. <laughs> um, and and I'm, I'm going to imagine that there was some punishment going on there from one Lou Pinella, his first year with the ball club, my first year with the ball club as far as making the team out of camp. So I, th I think he just basically wanted to punish us <laughs> for for that for that score. I did notice though, looking at at the box score, Bill Kruger seven yes. hits, just four hits. That's terrific. Good uh -huh. for Bill. Yeah, Bill was apparently enjoying the cold. He was taking full advantage. <laughs> I guarantee you there were a lot of two-seamers and breaking balls. Um, I, to be honest with you, I don't remember a lot. I remember it being cold. I remember it not being much of a game at all. Mm -hmm. um, but I do not remember the score being that bad. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up, guys. Yeah, See, yeah we, that's terrific. Because we were on the plane last night, and Gary said, oh, he's got to remember. <laughs> and I said, yes, he has to remember. And then we both thought, well, but maybe this was – so extreme that he just completely pressed it a leap. I, I just figured with temperatures hovering above 30, a seven-run sixth inning would really, <laughs> really stick with you. Yeah, that's a long time. And, and when you mentioned the wind chill to be out there, that, that, that is, is awful. Um, I thought maybe, and it might have been the same series, but I thought maybe that was, would have been the game where I was supposed to start the game at third, end up in right field because Jay was having some sort of knee problem that day. So Jay was a scratch, but that's not the case. I actually played third that day, and Jay was in right field. He did have a pinch runner, so he was able to leave the game a little bit earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, there's no getting around it. It's miserable for everybody. Um, oh, Mike Hampton started for yes. us, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so, you know, to me, I played in a number of games that are cold, and, you know, it, it, there's – there's nothing you can do about it. I, one of the things I would say is I, I loved last night, or this morning, I should say, what time do we get to the hotel, Gary? About 3? Yeah. yeah. About 3 yeah. o'clock in the morning? 
And we're walking through the lobby, and I, I, I get a pat on the back, a firm pat on the back, and I hear, it's just in your mind, right, Mike? It's all in your mind. And I turn around, and there's Kyle Seeger with a T-shirt on. I saw that. Yeah, and, and he was, said he was already getting himself mentally prepared. <laughs> and, I, and I agreed. I said, yes, it's all in your mind. As he was walking away, I'm going, no, yeah. it's going to be cold. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had three coats on as he was wearing a T-shirt. So. Yeah, so, so you know, th- this will be interesting today. But that game um, – to be honest with you, Gary, those are ones that you forget. Yeah, but I do <laughs> remember. I do remember uh-huh. the cold of it, though. Yeah, Gary looked like he was about to rob a bank last night when we got off the plane, and it wasn't a particularly long <laughs> walk from. The it was literally the five feet. <laughs> he and Brad Adam both had their stocking caps on, gloves, overcoats, the whole thing to walk five feet outside and. I'm not sure what the temperature was, but we all survived it, which is the good news. We were curious when we were looking all this up. Yeah. We were, we were curious, coldest game in Mariners franchise history. 34 degrees. Right. So you, and, you, and you were at 36, so you're, you're right there in the neck of the woods. And, and trust me, it gets into the 20s real quick. Sure. Yeah. And then we were curious, coldest game ever, right, on record in big league history. And you have to of go back. Of any game. Of any game. Oh, okay, yeah. You have to go back April of 1941 at Ebbets Field. The Phillies and the Brooklyn Dodgers, Mike, and first pitch temperature was – Six degrees. Yeah. That would not happen today. <laughs> I don't think it would. There was a game, as we know, that was uh, banged just a couple of days ago between the Tigers and the Royals because the wind chill was in the 20s. Yeah, there's some, um, you know, people have been asking me the last few days, knowing that we're going to come here, what, what is too cold tomorrow, even though there isn't a game scheduled? The high is 24. Um, I would say that we probably would not play in those temperatures. But I don't know for sure. I don't, I don't know what the cutoff on that yeah. would be to where it's, it's, it's getting to the point to where you're worried about the overall health of the guys. I'm not really sure. And whose call is that, do you think? The home team? I would. Uh, my guess would be that no. Uh, my guess would be it would go all the way back to New York. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it would go probably, uh, probably the home team, the visiting team would get together. They would get to the umpires, and then it would go back to New York, and they would make a decision on whether they were going to start the game. Because, again, if you started at 24, by the time you're in the fifth inning, it's in the teens. So I, I don't I don't know what, what what's going on. But we've been talking a lot about pitching. By the way, Burt Blylevin is here. I was asking him about pitching in cold weather today, and he said the advantage goes to the pitcher. And I said, well, what about getting up and down a bunch of times, you know, in and out of the dugout, all that? He said, nope, doesn't bother anything. As long as you can grip the baseball, which is the biggest problem, the, the pitchers, especially the starting pitcher, has a big advantage because they will always stay warm. Mike, so I keep think that in mind today. I think, I think we nailed it. Mike, I think we covered a lot of ground today. I think today. we did, yeah. <laughs> and you handled our thesis very well. Uh-huh. Do you, and do you agree that that must have been the worst game in franchise history? <laughs> it would have to be. <laughs> it would have to be. And the thing that I love about it is what was it, 10 games in? Yes, yeah. it was the 10th game of Lou's career. <laughs> a 10th game with Lou. So I know exactly what it was like in that really small dugout in the old ballpark. It was terrible. I think this is great. You know, we know we know so <laughs> much about Lou was scowling at all of us. We know so much about Mike's career, and Mike has played in like arguably the best game in franchise history, right? Uh-huh. And he has played in the worst <laughs> yeah. game in franchise no, it's history. Bookends, it's great. Yeah, I think so, Mike. Thank you, man. Perfect timing. Thanks. And this is what the sixth game of the season. So yes, it applies. <laughs> Very nice. And now time for the week that was. This is the week that was. A look back on highlights and events of the Mariners past week. On Mariners Magazine. The next pitch. Swing, rifled high. Right field. Is D. Gordon leaving the park? D. Gordon, home run right field. His first in a Mariners uniform gives the Mariners the lead in the bottom of the seventh. We acquired D. Gordon because we knew he'd hit home runs. So, uh, no. Uh, D. has, he's, he's got a little, uh, 
He's got some pop on the ball in, that down and in pitch, and he saw it in spring training a couple times, and, and he got to it today. I think that the scariest thing for me in the game was after D hit the home run. You saw when he crossed home plate, the high five he gave. Never seen anybody jump that high uh, after a home Pitch run. Pitch to Hanniger. Swing, club to left field. All kinds of carry. Hanniger, a two-run shot blasted off the video board in left field. It is home run derby in the bottom of the seventh. Hanniger's second of the season. And the Mariners have now taken a 5-2 lead. From the wonderful world of sports, we bring you... Home run derby. 24,000 plus here at Safeco Field on this Easter Sunday. The 3-2 pitch. Swing and a miss at a slider. Strike three. How sweet it is. Edwin Diaz strikes out the side here in the top of the ninth inning. He strikes out Lindor for the final out of the ball game. And on this Easter Sunday, the Mariners with a 5-4 win over the Cleveland Indians. And they take the series Two games to one. Here's the pitch of the way. Swing and a line drive into the gap in left center field. Here comes Gordon on to score. Segura rounding third. He will score. Around to third goes Cano. The throw into second base will keep Hanniger to a two-run single. And the Mariners have an early 2-0 lead here in the top of the first. Here's a swing and a fly ball deep to left field into the corner. Pence with a long run to the one-e track. Dives. Can he get to it? Beyond his reach, heading for third, being waved in is Gene Segura. He's going to score. Cano in its second, standing up with an RBI double. Pence to throw in, cut off by Crawford. Cano with a run batted in, his second RBI of the year, and it's now the Mariners 5, and the Giants 1. The stretch, and the 2-1 pitch, fastball, swing, and a fly ball into shallow left field, going out Segura. Reaches up, and he makes the catch on the run, and the ball game is over. The Mariners won it 6-4. to four. This afternoon here in San Francisco beating the Giants in game one of the brief two-game series. For Tashua, Caraco in the stadium, Ni Orimas. Hajime Mashde, Dozyarushkulo. Swing and a miss for strike three. 98 mile an hour flames on a 40 degree day here in Minneapolis from James Paxton as he strikes out the side and strikes out the go ahead run. The windup and the 3 2 pitch. Fastball and a swing and a foul tip into the glove of Freitas for strike three. There is strikeout number six for James Paxton. That's it for Lamar and the Twins here in the bottom of the fourth. And what an afternoon! With a big lefty out of Ladner, British Columbia. The talons, I don't think punctured me or anything. I could, they're kind of sharp, like on my back, but uh, I don't, I don't have any scratches. I don't believe. Was that your first experience with a bald eagle? You handled it very well. I appreciate it. That's not the first time I've seen a bald, bald eagle, but it's the first time I've had one try and land on me. So <laughs> here's the pitch to Seager, swinging a well hit ball down the right field line. This one is a fair ball, and it is gone. Goodbye baseball off the screen. That juts into fair territory from the right field foul pole. Kyle Seeger with his first home run of the season. It comes with Robbie Cano aboard. And the 0-1 to Seeger. Swing and a line drive into right field. There it is. Base hit number 1,000 for Kyle Seeger. Over to third goes Cano. And the Mariners have the bases loaded. Number 1,000 for Kyle Seeger. That's pretty special. I uh, I knew at the end of last year that I had gotten close. I didn't I didn't realize that that was number 1,000. So that's something I'm I'm pretty proud of.
Slipping, slipping, slipping into the future.